0: Welcome to Ship with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. It is common to get the question, hey, do you go to the gym? And by that, everyone is asking you that if you're doing some kind of a resistance training protocol, But hardly people get to ask you if you do some kind of Olympic lifting. I wonder why. One reason might be because people think Olympic lifting is difficult. People think Olympic lifting is um, different for everyone. And most of the people, they probably don't understand Olympic lifting. So today, to clear the confusion, I have got to you someone special. I first got introduced to him by one of my friends, Barndt who has been in the show, who's been talking about hydration and biohacking water. And today, I have someone who started doing Olympic lifting when he was 12 years old. He's got a degree in sports science and trains in multiple gym and multiple athletes. Mehdi Bukharisi, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you, my brother.
0: <laughs> welcome. Did I say your last name right? Is it Bukharisi?
1: Yeah, Bukharisi in Arabic.
0: Okay, perfect. So tell me Mehdi, you know the last time I checked, when people, or when kids especially, are 12 years old, they're running around behind each other in the park, they're playing some kind of video game, they're watching TV. Why did you decide to do Olympic lifting at the age of 12?
1: Well, um, it started because uh, my, my best friend's father was the, the president of, uh, of the club where I, where I trained. Uh, mm-hmm. and um, the day where the, there were no school uh, for example uh, Wednesday afternoon in France uh, generally for small kids or, or small teenager the, there is no school in the Wednesday afternoon and mm-hmm. um, yeah he he brought us to to the to the to this gym uh, and um, I just started to, to to move there and I really liked the yeah, the, the sport, the training, the feeling. And um, yeah, so this is how it started. <laughs> I just followed a friend uh, <laughs> who wanted to, to pack on some muscle. And uh, yeah, his father was the, the, the president of the, the club. So uh-huh. yeah, this is how it did uh,
0: you, it. Did, you have any, um, did you see Olympic lifting on TV before, before you joined? Like, no. did you no. want to be one of those guys who can lift and do cleans and snatches on TV?
1: No, no, never. I, I, I did not know about this, this sport. Okay. And then
0: you moved on to perform at youth national levels. How was your experience with that? At what age did you uh, go for the youth national levels?
1: It was really young, like 14, 15 years old, maximum. Oh,
0: wow. So that's like two to three years after training.
1: Yeah. Uh, but um, as, you, as you said earlier, um, kids... Um, prefer to 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 run uh to to play in the in parks etc and um to be honest the the first year of training was uh developing motor skills a lot we did not lift much um, mm-hmm. we yeah if if you see crossfit today it was some kind of crossfit but maybe less um structured like mm-hmm. uh, there is not uh, there was not um, Imam stuff and uh, Amrap stuff and blah blah blah. And but we were training like like this. Uh, okay, kids, you you run um, 60 meter all out and then you you come back and then you do uh, three three power cleans and then you uh, you grab the the bar and you you hang yourself on the bar and you you stay there um, as much as you can and so on. It was a lot of of different movement. Uh, Running, uh, jumping, uh, changing directions, and so Mm -hmm. on. Yeah.
0: Do you think uh, CrossFit was born after a lot of people at that time were doing Olympic lifting, and they wanted just like Greg Glassman? Did he want something different, and that's why he made CrossFit?
1: Maybe I really don't know. He claimed that uh, this is uh, this was a system to train uh, military and uh, special forces, but I don't know. With American, you know, it's. Yeah. very often the, the, they make the, the history sounds good so, so you apply mm-hmm. the, the, to the stuff but yeah. <laughs> Correct. I don't know but maybe maybe Who knows? okay
0: and how long did you train for when you were like uh, training for these three years was it only on Venice's or were you having two sessions a day or how did it work
1: no even no no to to be honest we we trained very little maybe maximum three times a week like Mm -hmm. it was mostly uh monday wednesday friday
0: okay and then you moved on and you studied electricity and then you worked in that field for six years and then you decided that probably this is not your best shout out so you went back to school and you learned sports science did you train all those years that you were working in the electricity field?
1: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there were no training, no, no good food, no nothing. Sporting a lot, yes, but <laughs> you cool. know, teenage. Okay. Day, so, what made you go back
0: to sports science, or looking at so- the science behind all these high-level sports?
1: Well, um, as I mentioned, I, I was partying a lot, not eating right. And um, yeah, I felt like, oh, OK, I was much um, sharper a few years ago. So it's not, it's not good. And I didn't want to work anymore in the um, electricity field or uh, construction uh, mm-hmm. works. And um, I didn't know what to do. And a friend of mine told me, well, you you are really good at school. Uh, maybe you can go to university to to do some sports stuff. Will be because you like uh, mm-hmm. sports. And I said, well, I okay, why not? I didn't know that, that this existed, but okay. Um, and then I uh, yeah I I went to the the, the sports university and uh, yeah I I passed um. Uh, how do we set a bachelor degree in uh, in sports science? Mm-hmm. So it was a really great experience. And uh... you know, when I look back
0: at time myself, I studied marketing and advertising. And after working for a few years in that field, I realized that that wasn't really my shout out as well. Um, and now, when I hear about uh, back in the day, sports science, especially in this part of the world where I'm living right now, Dubai, United Arab Emirates, no one heard about it. And uh, even like going to the gym, you know, I went to the gym when I was 14 or 15 years old because I had, I was obese, I had to lose a lot of weight and to get in shape. So I wish every time I hear it, that someone studied sports science, there is one part of me that says only if I could have studied sports science, I would be really good at it because now I'm studying all the time from different resources, talking to different people. But that is uh, somewhere where my passion lies. And it's so nice that you could actually go back and do it. So good one on you man and and you know when I've over the years I have like I said I'm 30 now so I've been training upwards of 15 to 16 years and I've come across a lot of athletes I trained with uh, ex-UFC fighters like Roger Witt I've trained with some um, you know weightlifting coaches i've trained some people myself as well and whenever whenever i think of an athlete whether it's professional or recreational or you know which is just for fun or even some people in the performance industry everyone wants to lift more weights and become strong this is over the board you'd see apart from aesthetics because some people just want to look good but other than looking good the one thing that everyone is looking for is lifting more weights and becoming strong but then i think about it that In a different way, everyone is just chasing the power output because when you look at like classic calculations, as you must know, like power equals strength multiplied by speed. And then in reality, you need more power to do everything you have, you know, you're at a party and someone asks you like, how many pushups can we do? And if you want to do more pushups than the other person, you actually need more power to do it faster. If you want to run up a stairs, you know, climb, uh, run fast, you need a lot of power for that. And then I did crossfit a couple of years ago and i got uh, you know introduced to olympic lifting then i it knew very fast as soon as i was doing power uh, snatches and you know these things over the heads that i could easily transfer the force from the ground to you know my fingertips in no matter whichever situation i was in very fast so talk to me about power lifting and what it really does for a person. How does it work with the nervous system? How does it, what does it really help you in daily life?
1: Well, uh, first of all, when, when I was a kid and I started weightlifting, um, an, an old coach there said to us, Yeah, uh, Olympic lifting is the school of back, of the, yeah, the, you, you understand, the, the back of yeah. the body. So yeah. This means uh, it will teach you to, um, to prevent your back. Of course, mm-hmm. um, Olympic performances and um, yeah it's, Olympic performances will, will not be something healthy uh, mm-hmm. but if you if you train regularly on weightlifting to, to improve your health, um, you will have uh, a better back uh, a better ha- um, general health uh, even bone health in general because of the, the, the pressure you put on it
0: mm-hmm. but um, uh,
1: most of all uh, Olympic lifting because of the the speed component of the movement um, will help recruit more muscle uh, and and um, will do it uh, qu- uh, quicker. So you your nervous system will recruit more muscle faster, um, and this will help you to to, to mobilize more more weight. Mm-hmm. So even for daily life, it, it helps a lot to to, to carry stuff. Um, for example, if you are I don't know you. You, you go to the grocery and you, you have a really heavy bag and uh, to, to carry them uh, easy easily in your, in your car or from your car to your home. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And also, I think a lot of this happens um, in older adults. When people get old, um, especially after the age of 30, there is a loss in muscle mass every decade that happens. It's called sarcopenia. Yep. And one of the reasons why old people... Um, Get themselves injured, or you know, it, for lack of a better word, like die or lose their longevity is because they slip and they break a hip and they're not able to stand properly. So, I think if everyone started doing weightlifting, some version of weightlifting, they will just increase their postural muscles so much that chances of falling and probably like a hip replacement will be lesser. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, 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 I, I, I 100% believe in this. Um, yeah, uh, as you mentioned, um, uh, the, the first cause in, a, in mortality in elder people is, um, uh, how do we say, the femur, the femur, um, mm-hmm. uh, femur break. So, so they break the, the bone of the, the, the femur or the, the hip. And uh, yeah, you can prevent this by uh, first eating enough protein and, and second, uh, train on the, on the weight. So mm-hmm. yeah, of course. Uh, and uh, yeah, one, do not have to, to use the, the full Olympic lifts, like the full snatch or so. But um, even just uh, variation would be great. And there is a variation for everyone.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Is it true that most injuries that happen in Olympic lifting would happen when the bar is closer to the ground? So when you're, let's say, you're lifting the bar from the ground into a full snatch or a squat snatch, you have more chances of injury when when you lift it comparatively from a hang snatch? So is Um, that like a variation or...?
1: I don't know know about this point. I have never Mm -hmm. looked at the, the injury rates. But what I can tell you is that the the technique, the um, the process of of teaching the technique is far more complicated if you if you start from the floor. So if you have an athlete, for example, a rugby player, or um, uh, anyway, um, you will have better time to to teach the the technique from hang above the knee. The (laughs) result will be almost the same. And the, you will gain a lot of time because the, this uh, knee, um, passing the knee with the, with the bar is really complicated to, to, to learn. So starting from the hang has a lot of benefits, uh, especially if you don't want to, to, to use the, the, the full movement.
0: I wish someone told me this earlier, because when I was transitioning into CrossFit, I did not go through like a formal training. So this is my story. I saw I saw CrossFit picking up um, in 2014 or 2013, and um, yeah, around 2013, and I would always see these CrossFit games coming up on TV, and everyone was jacked, and they were lifting these complicated lifts. So I told myself, I know how to do a deadlift. I know how to, at that time, I was already going to the gym. Uh, I know how to do a deadlift. I know how to, you know, press a weight above my shoulder. I'm probably strong that way. So let me just look at them and copy their style. Mm. But I must tell you that this did not work at all because it took me so long to... Constantly make mistakes. Um, I was I didn't get injured a lot, but there were some minor injuries that were going on just because I did not know the form correctly. And today, when anyone talks to me, I also put this emphasis that you one of the most important things that you must look for is just the technique. It doesn't matter if you're just in the gym and you're practicing with the PVC pipe or like an Olympic bar just by itself. You don't have to put so many crazy weights, even if you're strong. Because then you have a lot of people coming from bodybuilding and then, you know, they already are huge and everyone expects, the society expects you to lift more weights and, you know, throw more weights down, but then you don't know the technique. So a lot of people, I think, start injuring themselves up that way.
1: Yeah. And uh, you, you said it earlier, the yeah, uh, power is transfer per, per, uh, per uh, acceleration, per, per uh, speed. So uh, uh, when you accelerate the, the even the empty barbell, you end with a, a load that that, is, that can be interesting if you are uh, a beginner or weak. So uh, even uh, it's like kettlebell. If you if you swing like a uh, thirty-two kilo bell, um, this is pretty good. Uh, of course you, you can you can do more, but uh, this will uh, already produce uh, a lot of results because when you accelerate the bell. The, the weight is, is multiplied many times.
0: Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? Um, do you prefer more kettlebell training or the barbell training, or do you use dumbbells? What's your favorite?
1: I, well, I, so my, my love, my, my true love is uh, Olympic lifting, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, because of a slight injury in the, in the, left, um, the left shoulder uh, when doing uh, too much uh, ring work, Mm-hmm. um i i cannot practice much the, this day uh i'm working on it and it's it's getting better but i i cannot practice a lot so i started to lift uh kettlebells and i really like them that's okay nice. that, th- this is my second favorite now i i, I really like them because th- this is convenient uh you can if you if you travel you you can just put one bell um uh, medium size and you can do a lot of stuff you can still um maintain your your level and uh, and mass while while traveling so this is a this is a really cool tool
0: mm-hmm. um we were speaking offline for anyone in the audience who's not uh, who of course, you guys didn't listen to us on, offline, but I was telling Mehdi that I also have a kettlebell. Um, I used to have it in my office room, and but now it's downstairs. So every time I walk in and out of the house, it's not that heavy. It's only 20 kgs, but I think it's enough for just activating those muscle fibers, just you know, coordinating power, speed, strength at the same time, and even for endurance, because if you you don't have to lift such a heavy kettlebell even if you have something as like 15 or 20 kgs but then you do a Tabata set on it which is you know you go on for 20 seconds on 10 seconds off multiplied by four minutes that will elevate your heartbeat so much that you would think that you have got a crossfit workout so I like kettlebells too and in fact for a year uh, when COVID hit I couldn't go to the gym so I was just working out with one kettlebell that's it and I was able to gain some um you know just keep myself fit and you know train my nervous system train my muscles and yeah i like them too but a lot of people do not appreciate uh what kettlebell can actually do and you see this in the gym most of the times everyone is going for the barbells everyone's going for the dumbbells but there will hardly be anyone in the kettlebell section is it different in france like do people know more about kettlebells or
1: no, that, that that's that's exactly the same. Well, sometimes you see uh, you see a person uh, doing few suing, few swings, but with a really bad form, and um, yeah, that's uh, twelve kilo swings or for thirty reps, for example. Or that it, it doesn't work, doesn't do anything. So, yeah, and mm-hmm. to, to to quote uh, Pavel Tatsulin from uh, yeah in, in the the book uh, Simple and Sinister he said that only um you most of the time you only have a um, few kettlebell choice so this diminishes the the choices you have and mm-hmm. you don't overthink your workout so oh i, I maybe can do the, the the chest press oh but but maybe i do the the the, the regular band press but oh um, maybe huh, the dips or you, and you are you're thinking too much about your your training and at the end you don't do anything so
0: it's yeah. just like netflix Yeah, You get onto Netflix and then you you think that, oh, it's got so many options and it's going to make your life easier. But that doesn't happen. You keep on going next, at least me, I'll go next and the next and the next. And there is a point that, you know, you get frustrated because you don't know which one to choose from. But I think your point is correct. With Kettlebell, you eliminate that.
1: Yeah, if you have only one bell or two, so... You go for it, and then you, you you start doing some stuff. You start moving your, your body, and and that's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. What about, like, we were talking about injuries and things, and I've seen you, um, I've seen your Instagram profile, and you have a lot of pictures in a CrossFit gym. And um, when I used to train CrossFit, there used to be, and not a lot of people knew about it, but everyone would talk about this cartoon character called, Uncle Rapid Cartoon character exists in France. It's basically this character that is associated with a lot of. So they tell you that hey, don't be like Uncle Rappard, and don't injure yourself so much.
1: What What is his name? What, what is the name of the character?
0: It's called Uncle Rappard. It gets its name from this uh, state called I think it's called Rappard rhabdomyo- myolysis, yeah. which basically is you get uh, you get a severe kidney condition by doing excessive exercise. And this is something that you see a lot of people do CrossFit. A lot of my friends were doing CrossFit. I see uh, this happen a lot, not the kidney condition, but basically it could be life-threatening where it is caused by multiple factors, uh, including genetics, where your muscle actually breaks down the myogoblin. And um, what happens is it releases into the bloodstream and then it gets locked in the kidneys and it poisons them. Also, a lot of the times, crossfit athletes are pushing themselves up to the extreme and sometimes they forget to drink water and you know when we are dehydrated the kidneys cannot filter out all the toxins and then you have electrolyte imbalances and that ultimately affects like kidneys and your heart and stuff so my question would be when you train your clients do you go um do you have a certain protocol that you know you don't push till a hundred percent? Because this is one of the mistakes that I see everyone do, like recreational athletes, uh, including myself. I was training the same um, at the same extent like some of the CrossFit Games athletes, and I was giving my hundred percent, maybe two hundred percent every day, and that didn't lead to anything. I realized very late that all these CrossFit athletes—they're not even training to up to hundred percent. They're probably training sixty percent. And then they save that energy to really um, uh, train in, in the games.
1: You, you're correct. You're correct. Yeah, first of all, um, uh, I really like uh, to, to quote um, uh, Dr. um uh, uh, who said the, the, the maximal strength is the mother of all qualities of strength. So first of all, uh, one athlete wants to become strong first
0: mm-hmm. and this
1: is also the the name of uh, a kettlebell company uh, running by um, pavel Satsulin, um, and and the, the, it just the the name tells everything get strong first mm-hmm. well if you're stronger then with with lesser weights you you will be able to do more more volume more more output more everything so mm-hmm. the, the the first to, to condition an, an athlete the first point would, uh, would be uh, make him or her stronger. And then mm-hmm. uh, from time to time, when when, the, the, when everything is in check, uh, nutrition is good, uh, sleep is good, everything. Well, and if the, the athlete is engaged in a, in a sports uh, where it, he or she needs um, uh, some conditioning, then you add some um conditioning protocols but um i would not do too much uh, lactic stuff um, okay. because it, it takes a lot of time to to recover from it and it's it's a threat for, for for the body so yeah from time to time this is good and it it will accelerate um uh, fat burning uh, it will uh, make even uh, regarding mitoc- mitochondria health uh, it will select better mitochondria and, and uh, yeah, but yep. uh, doing it too too much uh, too early, especially if you are if you are uh, weak or not strong enough, um, this will impair your 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 results and uh, probably hurt your your uh, your physiology. So to answer the, que- the question, um, I don't do much that kind of wor- work with my clients accepted when they, they want, uh, for example, if there is an, um, uh, something like um, marriage, or uh, a wedding, or a um, mm-hmm. vacation, and uh, someone asks for, OK, maybe for two to three weeks, I want to accelerate fat loss. So OK, so I, I can put them uh, in, a, in a short period of time with maybe two two a week uh, intense uh, laxic workout, and they, they will lose the fat fast. But then they have to, to, to get back, to step back. So, no, I, I, don't, I don't use this a lot. Well, I, like, I really like your
0: strategy. You're strategically planning on basis of like a demand of, you know, a situation, whether it be vacation or marriage or something. Because obviously there are times where we want to go to the beach and there's summers and you want to show some like six packs or whatever, you know, or you just want a flat stomach. And for those times, it yeah, it is accepted. But you also mentioned that that would be like two times per week. And this is very important because a lot of people who are listening to this are also like pushing it a lot in the gym. And guys, if you're pushing it a lot, make sure that you take time to back off because it is very easy to go into the overtraining game and once you're over training your nervous system is jacked up your hormones like i remember there was a time that i couldn't sleep at night i would hear my ear ringing in the middle of the night i probably had electrolyte imbalances but i was making it to the scoreboard every day so you know that was making me happy i was like ah yeah you know it was just a little bit fueled by the ego as well i was like ah i was better than you guys so but at the end of the day My attention span went low. My memory, I had um, like brain fog. I couldn't focus. I was you know, not very good around my friends and family because that adrenaline and that norepinephrine release that was constantly going on and my body did not know how to move from, let's say, an active sympathetic nervous system to a more relaxed parasympathetic nervous system. So this is why I wanted to share all this information and get you on the show because I see a lot of guys pushing it i've done it in the past
1: but and and there is uh, ju- if, if it's just regarding body composition there is a big misconception i have learned this uh from my my mentor wolfgang and sold if you know it you know him uh he's the uh, famous german strength coach and um uh, yeah in, in one seminar yeah uh, so, and you talked about uh, sprints uh earlier when we were chatting um So I learned this from Wolfgang and Sold, who is the the famous uh, German strength coach. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, in one of his seminar, um, he made the point that uh, at top level athletes, uh, sprinters, for example, are really shred, uh, despite of not doing a lot of um, um, volume nor um, distances. And the fact is that the, the, the power output the they make uh, is really high and this uh produce a lot of lot of, uh lactates and this has to be recycled through the the core cycle um so um the the, the key is to uh, to uh, increase in his uh, uh, once maximum maximal strength uh, mm-hmm. to be able to produce a lot of power and the more power you produce the more shredded you will become mm-hmm.
0: I think it's also with the mitochondria because you mentioned before mitochondrial health and sprinters. One thing that we know is that they're just because of the work capacity and the power that they're producing, and they're doing it in such high intensities and in such small time. There's a lot of mitochondrial biogenesis, which is the birth of new and young mitochondrial cells, which then give them enough power. And when you take um, when you take these athletes away from like the sprint session or the weight training room just in your life better mitochondria means better fat fat oxidation it means building more strength that makes you recover faster like mitochondria is the key behind it all and this is why high intensity interval training which is you know just sprinting or anything that you do for like 15 to 20 minutes that really gets your intensity up also gives you more benefits than, let's say, going to the gym for an hour, hour and a half.
1: True. That's true.
0: Let's talk about one of the other important aspects in all types of weight training. And this has been getting um, a lot of attention recently, which maybe back in the day when you and me started, it wasn't as big. It is called mobility. So do you think mobility is important? And... What do you think about mobility? I wanted to get your take on it.
1: Yeah, so um, mobility is um, is a continuum. If you if you like, um, you have in one in one side of the continuum you have mobility, and in the other side you have pure strength and rigidity. Um, so, for example, if you are a power lifter, you probably want be want to be more in the in the rigidity side. A bit more. It doesn't mean you don't need any mobility, but you want to be stiff to to be able to, to move those load in those specific ranges.
0: Mm-hmm. If you
1: want to be a gymnast, so you have to be almost in the middle. So you have to be super mobile, but also s- strong and stiff. So yeah, it depends. But uh, neither of the of the extreme are, are good. So you have to 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 have sufficient mobility, but most of all you have to have uh, good strength and stability in the in the range of motion. So if you're able to to have um, uh, let's for example uh, a overhead squat, but you're not stable under, so you are too maybe too mobile, and you want to to work a little bit more on your stability.
0: Mm-hmm. I never thought about it this way. So, for the average person who doesn't want to, you know, go compete and you know is just looking for a better health, do you? What? How? What do you think about mobility? Like, do you do a little bit of mobility before the exercise, pre-exercise or post-workout, or just in the day generally? Like, what is your recommendation? Do you have a certain protocol?
1: I have so of like everything you you, you can use uh, several uh, tools, uh, but yeah, it really depends. So before before the workout, I of course you can you can if you increase especially if you do Olympic lifting, you want to to have uh, the the better mo- mobility uh, possible, the best mobility possible. Uh, so. Uh, every uh, every lifter will will uh, work on the on the joints so so, so they, they mobilize them uh, in order to to have uh, the optimal mobility uh to be able to to go full range mm-hmm. but it should not be take more than five ten minutes uh, so while you're warming up, you you take the barbell or you do some some movements uh, and then and then you take the barbell and you 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 start warming up with the barbell there there. There are also some really interesting um, complex from Isvan Javorek, an all-time uh, weightlifter and uh, a coach in, uh, in weightlifting. I think now he's living in, in America. Um, uh, it was called the Javorek's complex and uh, it was made with a barbell. Mm-hmm. You you do basically five, six reps of uh, several uh, variation of movement. Could be, uh, for example, uh, bent over row and then uh, Romanian uh, five reps, uh, Romanian deadlift, uh, then uh, m- muscle snatch and then uh, back squat and then uh, behind the neck push press. And then and then you you rest a little bit and you, you start again and you can even increase the, the, the weight to 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 start to really um, warm up the, 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 the whole body, the whole body temperature, the whole muscles, and um, and improve at the same time the, the mobility to prepare you for the, the Olympic lifts. So th- this is a good uh, a good way to do it. Um, but yeah, then I would I would work on mobility on stiff on really stiff and problematic limbs um i would not over mobility is never a, a good thing uh, a good thing
0: okay but, uh, and so what about stretching
1: yeah it's it's the same it depends it depends wh- what kind of stretch why why you, you do it uh, the the more i learn the the more uh, um i think it's not that good to 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 stretch i don't say that you you never have to stretch mm-hmm. but if you do it to if you do it a lot can can do more harm than good so mm-hmm. and and what stretching does mainly it's it's it removes um tension from a place to another so for example if you if you are too tight in the in the um, in the hip flexors uh, probably your glutes are or too weak or or have too little um uh, influx ne- nervous uh, influx so if you if you stretch those those um uh, hip flexors uh you will remove some tension and automatically your glutes will uh get more so you i don't say that you you don't have to do it but a little bit if it's if it's super tight and problematic yeah you you release as you as you want if 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 stretching works for you this is good sometimes a treatment or some biofacial release can be also beneficial depending on the on tricks the the limbs okay but i would not do, do too much uh stretching and mobility unless it's really needed
0: got it and um, what is the best form of doing mobility? Are you you mentioned myofascial release? So are you using, or are you making your clients use any kind of foam roller, or are you just using like a barbell over like you know some areas, or you know you're using the bands? What uh, what what's your favorite? What do you think gives? Or you know nowadays there's like the Terra Gun and there's these yeah. um, gun massagers. Yeah. Do you do you like those or?
1: C- c- correct. I, uh, in fact, I, I use all of them uh, okay. depending on depending on the name, Also, guasha tool or uh, fat tool. If you know, it's it's. Uh, I haven't uh, heard of that. Never heard. Okay, it's uh, it's like um, a knife from uh, uh, made of uh, some. I would say some rock. It's a mm-hmm. kind of rock. Okay, it's patented. I think, and and uh, what you do basically, you you just. Um, uh, go to the skin and you friction. You make a friction uh, at high speed, which makes the the fascia vibrate and um, uh, liberate all the adhesion and uh, and stuff like this. And this Interesting. is far, far less um, uh, harming than than guasha to guasha. Uh, c- can be it's, uh, sometimes it's needed. Or, like like everything, you you can use it as a tool, but sometimes it creates more inflammation than uh, was before. So so you, every tool is good and has benefit and downside. So okay. the goal is to so learn how to how to, how do, to use you know.
0: it in the best possible scenario. Yeah, Completely agree.
1: If you are at home and you have uh, nothing else, uh, then a 4 roller can be helpful, and you you gain range of motion, of course. Uh, um, Lacrosse ball, um, terracan, terragon. Okay. Lot
0: of stuff. So um, you know when you're when we look at like building power, strength, all the things that we've talked spoken about. What are some of your best strategies? Like, are you doing something out of the box? Are you doing are you using any kind of biohacks to increase more muscle recruitment or something like that?
1: Well, there, there are plenty, but uh, yeah. Um,
0: What's the best ones that you have come across?
1: <laughs> One that I really like is the, the cluster sets. Clu- okay. cl- cluster sets make you re- really st- stronger fast.
0: Can you tell us what the audience what the cluster set is?
1: Oh yeah, uh, it's like um, you take your your for example your three RM, your three mm-hmm. rep max for for the lift you want to use it doesn't have to be a um an Olympic lift you can do it for uh, with with squats uh, bench press uh, anything um and yeah, basically what you do you do only one reps and you rest 15 seconds and one reps and you go up to five repetitions so with your originally three RM you are in fact with this mic micropose uh between between reps you're doing five in total so you are doing two more reps than your, your actual uh, 3RM. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a really good system to, to improve maximal strength fast. Okay. Um, I also really like uh, wave loading, if you, if you have heard about it.
0: No, tell us about it.
1: So this is, for example, it's uh, okay. You, you set the, the, the load uh, in a wave manner, which means I, I will give an example. Um, for example, the 3-2-1 wave loading, uh, really famous. You have other um, modality, but this one is, is the, the the most common for, for maximal strength. Uh, you will use, uh, for example, for for the first wave, you would use uh, maybe 3 reps at um, let's say uh, 65% of your 1RM, then 2 reps at 75%, and then 1 rep at 85%. And then you okay. come back with 75%, you do three reps, then 85%, two reps, 91, 95%, one rep. And then you go back again for uh, a third wave. You can do between two or, or four four waves. And then the, the the last wave, you would do three uh, with uh, 85%, two with 92, 93%, something like this. And then one with 100, 101, 102% of your max error.
0: Um, I think I've done this in the past. I didn't know the name for it, but now that you're explaining it, it has come up in a lot of CrossFit uh, workouts where, you know, you take an exercise like the barbell back squat and then you go into this wave-like motion. And then when you look at the workout first, you think that, you know, it's it's probably not going to be that challenging. But Mm -hmm. as soon as you front load and then, you know, you're heading up higher on those waves, you start to feel muscle fatigue really, Mm -hmm. really fast.
1: Correct and but the, the the goal here is not to exhaust like like in CrossFit and, and you you finish the workout like almost dying. No, it's to use uh, what what we call um, uh, potentiation. So so the, the first one will be super easy, which potentiate a little bit the the nervous system, and then you go a, a, a little bit uh, harder, which uh, fire up uh, if you if you want the the, um, the nervous system, and then you are super fired for for the last. A wave, and then you 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 can very often uh, break a record. If you if you are fresh and and you do it right, you break a record every time.
0: Wow, that's interesting. I'm going to have to write that down and then try it out in my next workout session. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. And what about uh, supplements? Um, are you a fan of supplements? What kind of supplements do you take or do you recommend?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a geek. for No, uh, I, it depends. Um, so, are you talking about supplement for strength?
0: Well, let's let's talk about overall. But I want to include strength as well. Like, what are your supplements for recovery? What are you doing? Are you taking like things like beta-alanine? Are you using any kind of blood flow vasodilators like L-citrulline or arginine? Or you know, just tell me what you use and what you think works the best.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Um, so I, I think the basics should be covered. So, first of all, the person uh, should not be deficient in uh, all basic vitamins B, all the Bs, uh, C, E vitamins, um, and, and so on. Then, um, but if you, are, if you eat really, really good and um, yeah, stuff like liver often, and you, you might not be that deficient and you, you maybe want just to supplement a few of them. But mm-hmm. uh, one of them would be ADK, uh, K2. So mm-hmm. the D3 and K2, especially in winter, um, maybe not that much in your area because you... We always have summers uh,
0: and sunshine.
1: Yeah, it's almost all, all the year, I think you, you can get a yeah. level of vitamin D. But for us in, in Europe or, or some other part of, of the world, uh, vitamin D and D3 and, and K2 uh, should be supplemented, that, that is uh, yeah really important. And A lot of people
0: don't really know what uh, K2 does, because uh, K2 is one of the, I think it was named the the Magic X or the X supplement or something like that, and this was coming back from all the studies that they've uh, been doing all around the world that when it comes to Um, oral health and they were looking at all these population sizes where people's teeth weren't falling and then they got to know that k2 is this synergistically works really well with uh, things like vitamin d and in nature you'll find it a lot so if you have like grass-fed meat you have grass-fed butter you have all these things which already has very high levels of k2 but nowadays i see a lot of supplements that are combining the three that work together like you said vitamin A, vitamin D, and vitamin K2.
1: Yeah. What's next? Yeah, uh, so, so this would be the, the, the basics just to, for the body to, to function um, regularly. And then um, uh, magnesium to, mm-hmm. to, yeah, to improve recovery, nervous, uh, nervous system uh, calming down and, and so on. And uh, it's over 300 uh, enzymatic reactions in the, in the body. So th- this is super, super important.
0: There are like five or seven different kinds of magnesium. Right, there's magnesium threonate, there's glycinate, there's orotate, there's um, citrate. Everything with eight, and then there's one thing which is different. So, what kind of magnesium do you take, or what delivery mechanism do you take? Do you take it in pills form? Do you have transdermal deliver of uh, magnesium, or you know liposomal? What's your favorite, or what do you take?
1: Uh, I really, I really like so. For myself, I I, I use a different uh, kind of magnesium because they they don't use all the same transporters, so you you can you can have more um, and not uh, over um, how do we said uh, so you you won't waste some. Uh, for example, if you take one gram of uh, magnesium X, maybe you you will absorb just some because of mm-hmm. the trans, transporters limitation. So if you, but I really like the citrate one for mm-hmm. the, the the alkaline stuff uh, and so, and um, but but it can be for some people it can be a little bit uh, laxative, but it, it depends. But the, one of my favorite is the glycinate one because it's super uh, smooth on the digestive system, no 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 diarrhea, no problem, and uh, it really calms down the, the nervous system because of the the glycine. Uh, amino acid uh, bound to to it, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the, it, it is uh, really h- highly absorbable. So it,
0: that's one. That's the one that I take. I take uh, towards the evening magnesium glycinate, and um, towards the day, if I have to put on any magnesium, it'll either be through combining some um, trace liquid minerals, which already is rich in magnesium, and uh, if not, I would take the magnesium citrate. So I like that we have similar. Thinking with that, and with I also think that a lot of the times magnesium gets depleted in response to stress. Now, this is not only the stress that, of course, if you're weightlifting and you're doing some kind of Olympic lifting or CrossFit, you have higher needs of magnesium because you're you're just you know using that uh, sympathetic nervous system so much. But even things like you know work stress or relationship stress or like just the stress of being locked in your house and not being able to get out. I think that also depletes a lot of magnesium stores, which people don't normally think about. So, if anyone who's listening to this, it, you know, magnesium is one of those things that almost everyone is missing in their diet. And um, as Medi pointed out rightly, it's used for 300 plus enzymatic reactions in your body. So, you don't have to be a weightlifter to use it. I mean, if you're having a good diet, you will get some, but. It won't cover your magnesium needs. So in times of stress, make sure you use your magnesium. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
1: And and also uh, just uh, for the the muscular contraction. This is why some people get cramps uh, because when you when you contract a, a muscle, so the the, the sodium uh, goes in uh, in the, the cell and and this um, changes the the electricity uh, and and so the calcium. Touches the uh, the muscle fiber and then it, it 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 excites and it contracts and to decontract the magnesium has to touch the the bone and then it decontracts so so every time you 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 contract a muscle you need magnesium to decontract it.
0: What about potassium? Does but, potassium play a role in this uh, complex?
1: Yeah, potassium also, but not uh, to 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 what I remember not not uh, directly in the in the. Um, in the muscular contraction.
0: Okay, yeah, the calcium is the biggest one, I think. Yeah,
1: uh, calcium excites and, and, and makes the, the, the fiber contract, and then magnesium comes uh, on top and decontracts.
0: Mm-hmm. This is uh, probably one of the reasons why if you are also, this is a side topic, but if you're going on a lot of um, airplanes and if you were in places with a lot of geopathic stress or electromagnetic radiation, One of the things that happens is, like when you do your muscle contraction, calcium influxes into something called as voltage-gated calcium channels in the cells, and it excites the cells. Most of the times, it excites neurons, and then they start dying. And one of the tricks to reduce that and even to reduce things like inflammation pathways like NF-kappa-B is to take more magnesium. So I would also recommend people, like, you know, if you're traveling, one of the ways, uh, or you're, you know, you're on a jet, or you're next to Wi-Fi routers, or like big signal, like big of these, um, 2D towers and things like that. Then increasing your magnesium will have, like, will help close those voltage gated calcium channels, and then the calcium doesn't get into the cell and excites it too much.
1: Also, aspirin works very well for radiation and and um, yeah, for those who travel a lot in. Uh
0: that's interesting i've never heard of that aspirin wow
1: aspirin yeah uh you, you can you can check if you if you like uh if you if you know dr reman pietz you you can you can check uh, i can check him out yeah he, he, i know he, that he
0: there have been some protocols of like, you know, uh, when it comes to heart health and, you know, like when you want to t- excite, I mean, you want to increase your body's response in a sauna. Some people microdose on aspirin yeah. uh, along with other things. So yeah. interesting. This is something that I didn't know about. I will check it out for sure. So what else? Creatine make it to the list?
1: Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. And creatine is uh, the, the supplements I think the most studied uh so th- this is incredible it's not just for for performance of course it has a direct performance on on strength sports uh and and um and conditioning sports by replenishing uh, faster the the, the phosphate the, the the ATP but um but also in longevity and uh, it has been shown to uh, to improve recovery uh, after concussions for example so uh, it, it, it improves um, uh, memory in vegetarians, uh, it, it makes wonder. So, but it seems that 10% of population is, is it seems to be not responder. Um, I don't know why. Maybe because uh, they already eat uh, a lot of meat of and, uh, and mm-hmm. fish, or maybe some genetic, we don't know everything yet. Yeah, I'd say there
0: probably are, a but, little bit yeah, of but, genetics. But, uh,
1: 10% of the of the population seems to be non-responder to, to creatine. But yeah, so, so th- this is a, even a longevity supplement, I would say. I
0: would say it's even a brain supplement. It's like a brain hack because every time, like there are times where I need some um, focus and, you know, just like some mind-boosting things. Now there are nootropics that you can take, but one of the most cheapest ways to increase your brain health and as you said longevity pathways because of the phosphogenic creatine system and you know increasing the phosphate stores with the atp is like just have some basic creatine but then creatine also has a lot of confusion how do you use your creatine like do you have a loading protocol because i know traditionally the bodybuilders what they did was they would have five grams of creatine i think it was four or five times in a day for like 15 days, that was their loading phase and then they would maintain it. Do you do it that way or do you have,
1: no, do you I, just use creating? No, no, I, no, I, I don't do it uh, like this. It seems that um, this has been popular, popularized by um, um, a, a, a researcher, uh, a researcher uh, who uh, had not much time. So he had to to load um, the 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 participants to to the the, the study. So he, what what basically what what he he did he he gained uh, time. So um, mm-hmm. because he had only a few weeks to do it, so he put a, a lot of load. So he overloaded the system for five days or one week, uh, and then uh, the the two um, the two weeks. After he could see the um, the, the result, potential results also, so mm-hmm. it's it's not necessary. Uh, but uh, one thing that I like to do is to to take only one to two grams, but regularly to, throughout the day because it, it seems to yes. to um, um, to saturate after two grams.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So so you you have better time to absorb. Uh, several doses of of, um, of it throughout the day for example one gram in the morning one gram in the in the, in, in the lunch uh, maybe two grams uh, after after training and then one gram at night but of course okay, interesting so this will be better retained uh, within the uh, the muscles
0: i i think a few years ago i I saw a study from the journaling, and I think one of them, I think it was the General Strength and Condition. And in that study also, they mentioned that creatine's uh, effects top off or go off after like two or two and a half grams. Uh, so since that time, what I have been doing is just been, uh, so I use five grams of creatine every day. And I take one, um, one serving in the day and one serving mostly towards the evening and that's like yeah. two point five and two point five grams each. But I like your strategy, so I'm going to experiment with one gram divided throughout the day.
1: But, by the way, if you, if you look at nature, uh, in red meat, uh, creatine is present around um, one gram, one gram per, per two hundred fifty grams of meat of red meat. So mm-hmm. if you if you eat a, a nice steak of two two hundred 300 grams, you get one. One gram of creatine. Grams. So, so this makes sense for me. But you okay. eat in the morning, in the in the lunch, and in, in the in the uh, in the afternoon. So, so if you eat at least uh, three meals a day, you get uh, three times one gram something. So, so you you end up to, to tre- between three and five grams a day.
0: What's the best way of absorbing creatine? Because I remember when I used to do bodybuilding. Like long back in the day, they used to tell me, um, you know, just have some grape, uh, you know, some something sweet. So it spikes your insulin levels like, let's say, an orange juice or something like that and mix your creatine in that. Now, I know that's not probably the best strategy, but like what, uh, how do you use it? Do you use it just, yeah, do you just mix meal, it in water?
1: Yeah, with the, with the meal, you will get, uh, you will get that insulin spike. So, so yeah, nutrient okay. will, will uh, yeah.
0: And what's your personal, um, like we you mentioned about eating meat and, you know, this came up twice. So I'm just very curious to know what kind of a diet or like dietary strategy do you, uh, do you use for yourself, basically? Are you one of those carnivore people? Are you keto? Are you paleo? Are you just like, I eat everything? Or
1: Yeah, I, this is really interesting uh yeah I, I i'm i would define um my strategy like more carnival rich which mm-hmm. means I, I i tend to eat more uh, animal products because this satisfied me more i feel better and um, yeah th- this is uh how, how i feel i function better uh but i i do eat um a little bit of uh, um, white potatoes uh sweet potatoes um, uh, white rice and, um, some, some vegetables, not of all, but some and well cooked. I, I love, uh, below ground vegetables, like beets,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, carrots, stuff like that. Okay. Um, and turnip and,
0: turnips, and do you have, when you, when you mention carbs, are you timing your carbohydrate, um, like to have it before the workout to gain some more carbohydrate stores, uh, for your workout or do you have it after the workout to replenish your glycogen stores? How do yeah, you use I, them?
1: Yeah, I, I personally don't like to eat before a workout. It, uh, it, it takes me uh, quite some time to digest well. So so I I, I really like to train uh, with an almost empty stomach. So, which means if, if I had my lunch at, at 12 or, or one, um, I prefer training uh, around four and not eating just uh, before. But after workout, I will eat uh, quickly.
0: Okay. So, uh, and I,
1: workout. I, I take a shower and then I, I, I go to eat something. Or if I don't have time, I, I use a shake uh, with a high quality whey, uh, whey protein directly extracted from milk. And uh, yeah, super, super good stuff. And uh, some some fast carbohydrate, right? maybe juice. Or, um, p- powder that I, I tolerate well, or uh, cluster dextrin and the uh, Vitagro. They are, they are super expensive, but with maltodextrin, regular maltodextrin, I, I, I get bloated a lot. So, mm-hmm. I prefer use uh, juices like uh, orange juice, grape juice, any 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 juice. Um, and um, so juices and uh, and or uh, car like uh, cluster dextrin and um, uh, vital group for example
0: mm-hmm. yeah i've used those in I... the past They're nice yeah um but when you're what about non-training days do you have do you go more of carnivore on the non-training days do you still eat carbohydrates or do yeah. you limit carbohydrates
1: yeah maybe I'll, i i I tend to eat one one less meal because I, the, the day I don't train, I don't I don't eat the post-workout meal. So, mm-hmm. because it doesn't make me that hungry. Um, but I, I, I eat almost the same.
0: Okay, almost the same. Amazing. Okay. We're almost come to the end of this podcast. And Maddy, like, really, man, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and wisdom. It's such an interesting conversation. You're a great person to talk to. But my final question to you is if you had a time machine and let's say you could go back 15 to 20 years and then you can meet your younger self and you can give him one two maybe three pieces of advice like at least one what, knowing everything that you know right now what would be that one or two pieces of advice that you would give yourself it could be about life it could be about relationships. it could be about anything
1: don't, don't follow girls and don't party man just, <laughs> just train
0: <laughs> nah, that's boring that, that that's boring come on yeah
1: yeah, yeah when yeah. you're young you have to i i, I gave up i gave up uh, olympic lifting and and, uh, and my friends uh, went to to the to the european championship so i could okay win. in in another life maybe i'm a, I'm a european champion in my in my weight class
0: <laughs> okay Okay, so don't party so much. Focus on what you have.
1: It's fun, but don't do it too much.
0: When did you stop partying?
1: Well, super early, man. Maybe 13. Okay,
0: and when did you stop partying?
1: Oh, stop. Uh, Yeah. Never. (laughs) Uh, So so I I know if I come to France,
0: I have to get in touch with you. Okay.
1: (laughs) But for... for, No, no, no. After twenty five, yeah, I I stopped partying. But of course, with occasion, I, I like to party. Yeah, when uh, if I visit a friend or a friend visit me, or uh, yeah, you know, some nice barbecue in August.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, that sounds like a good thing. Perfect. So again, thank you. thank you for all the work that you've been doing. I'm so grateful that you're online and you're listening. Grateful to you to introduce. Uh, Mehdi and thank you Mehdi for coming on the podcast your stuff is great I learned a lot of things from you um, I might just get in touch with you later with some of the things that you mentioned and a post follow up and for everyone who's listening my name is CJ and I'm signing out from Shift with CJ Podcast everyone have a great day ahead of you bye Mehdi
1: hey, ciao, bye
0: Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.